0: You are listening to the PCA Next Gen Podcast. We are broken. We are messy. We are student ministry leaders. We've experienced the battles of ministry. and We've wondered, where is God in those battles? So we created this podcast to connect with you. And our hope is that as you listen, you'll see God at work in our broken ministry stories. Through Jesus, we are deeply loved by the Father. and We think that anyone can get in on this. So subscribe and connect with us at www.pcacdm. Org. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Next Gen Podcast. This is part two, Resilience with Danny Kwan. If you have not listened to part one, I encourage you to jump back to the previous episode and check it out. Danny Kwan has spent 28 years in student ministry. Absolutely incredible. And he has so much to share with us about resilience and longevity. So don't miss out on part one. And if you've listened to part one, here is part two with Danny Kwan. Thank you for listening.
1: So the, the definition of resilience, you know, I'd like to hear yours in a bit here. Um, when I think about resilience, I think about people that I know who either have made it through a very difficult season where they were wounded, um, and have kept their eyes on Jesus through that and have not turned bitter or cynical or started wounding others, but instead continued on, you know, the path that God has called them to, um, but maybe maybe they still, they, they end up finding a different ministry call in a few years. I also think about people like you, Danny, who have been in the same spot for, you know, 10, 20, 28 years. You don't get to do that unless you are making it through some hard times. Because no church, no person, no student ministry gets 28 years of just smooth sailing. It doesn't happen. Um, but for you, I mean, you're writing a book on it. How would you define true longevity or true resilience and what are some key markers of that
2: hmm. yeah um you know i i do think it you know from a christian perspective especially because you know there's uh you know books on resilience and grit and things like that from but from a christian perspective i think there is this um real sense of uh and i'm not saying i'm all there theologically and and you know in my heart issues and you know i have struggles and stuff like that too but i think that coming back to our identity and worth in christ that no matter how much i fail or succeed that i really have that healthy you know, identity in Jesus Christ that I am loved. I am his beloved. And that, again, I always say to young pastors, don't listen to criticism and don't listen to praise. You know, you know, both praise can puff up our ego and get us looking away from Christ and looking toward ourselves. And in the same way, you know, critique and discourage us and, and bind us and, make us feel very low and small and um i think that that kind of as a christian when it comes to resilience you know really having that hope and identity in christ you know paul writes you know his some of his letters from jail and he says you know i'll be joyful in all circumstances now how can you be joyful when you're in jail you know how can you be resilient when you're locked up in a jail and all the things that Paul's been through. But really, it's, you know, I consider everything rubbish compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. And um, again, especially for the Christian leader um, who's been through and who will go through a lot of hard and difficult times um, to overcome them in the midst of them um, being in the shadow of the valley of death um is to really trust that you know the lord is my shepherd and i am his sheep and um i'm sorry i'm not giving you any fascinating revolutionary tidbits but i think for christian leaders that's real healthy self-worth and identity in christ um that again there's always going to be things that tear you down and rip you down and make you feel low and and um you know, we, we had a student who died. This is over 25 years ago in a mission trip. Mm. He drowned and I didn't go that year. I have to, I always have to say that, because, you know, I, I don't want to be typecast as the bad leader, but but he did die and it took a hit on our ministry. You know, people thought I didn't send the right leader. People thought I was, you know, naive and incompetent. And, you know, I, I should have, you know, planned for that. And why did we send them to this remote village with a river and, again, the wrong leader. And again, how do you, how do you stand up to that critique and, you know, even gossip and, you know, vicious talk and, and, and uh, it's only your, Uh, hopefully that you have your hope and identity in Christ and He's already victorious and standing for us.
1: Amen. I think something you're naming is the reality that to be faithful to Jesus and to hold some sort of leadership position in ministry um, or any sort of leadership whatsoever, you're going to take hits that in order to be faithful to Jesus, you don't deal back out. You don't lash back out. It's, and sometimes that just means you just take a hit and absorb it and give it to Jesus. <laughs> and, um, you know, what, maybe it's a uh, something, uh, a criticism or a way a person has been hurt, and they share it with a lot of emotion in the moment. And you know it's not the right time to maybe correct the little 25% of that criticism that's not loving or not even correct, and you just let it go. <laughs> and we can do that because Jesus has paid for the sins of that person too. And and he has given us a source of joy that is not on everyone loving us. Um, Esther Perel, if you, if you know her, she's a, um, a therapist and has a podcast and stuff. And one of her quotes that I love, she'll ask people, do you want to be right or do you want things to get better? And they'll say, I want things to get better. And she says, well, you're going to have to not be so right then. Um, and we have to give up the idol of being right all the time, which we want. We have the gospel. We have God's word. We've studied in the seminary. We think that we should have it figured out to where we can be right all the time. And we can't. Or at least we certainly can't have everyone think that we're right. And, th- and if we do, then I don't think we're being faithful to the gospel, which is crazy. Jesus calls us to pick up a cross, Dying to ourselves.
2: And, you know, dealing with parents, like I once came back from a mission trip and this guy who had sensitive skin came back with all these, like, infected mosquito bites when we were trying our best to have him take care of it and came home. His mom was one of the most supportive, mom and dad were one of the most supportive parents in the youth ministry. And I came home and they were angry. They wouldn't even talk to me. And when they finally did, they just sat there berating me, telling uh, telling me all the things I did wrong. And like you said, just sometimes just listening, just keeping your head down, letting them speak. And, you know, again, a lot of times they're not angry at you. They're angry at their child. Maybe they're angry at God. You know, they, they know that there's a lot of other things that happen, but again, they just want to express and vent that anger. And, uh, so you just have to sometimes just, you know, just let it go. And then maybe find another time to go talk to them when they're calm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what is one thing to kind of wrap up this section on, on resilience, um, And I'd love to hear any other kind of closing thoughts you have um, after this question. But what's one thing that all of us who may be thinking about, those who are younger in youth ministry, you know, um, what's one thing we can do to grow in resilience? Um, Not that all of us need to make it our goal to be where we are right now for 28 years, although that is a beautiful goal. Um, But, you know, the heart resilience, that is truly rooted you know resting on our union with christ what's one thing we can do to grow in that
2: yeah you know my first senior pastor he was a man of prayer um our church as a korean american congregation and this is a practice in all churches i don't want to just say it's korean practice but early morning prayer is something our church does early morning worship every day and um I try to go as much as I can, not as much as I should. And, um, but you know, for the first 20 years of his ministry at our church, he would lead that prayer meeting every day and he would pray for like two hours every morning. And I would always like, sometimes I'd watch him pray. I'd be like, why is he praying so much? And years later, as I got older and, got to know him more I said to myself he must be praying because he has so many problems to deal with at church it's so hard to be a senior pastor and uh, he must be praying about all those situations because he was a very calm he's a powerful preacher but just a calm personality and um, I think developing the practice of prayer um, where you kind of can live out that personal theology that I talked about to find your identity in Christ, to put your trust and hope in God for those situations that are difficult and conflicts and hardships and even planning and volunteers and, and your ministry. You know I've just found that you know a lot of us just don't pray enough and and find that peace and rest that our theology can be actually put into the practice of prayer where we can pray and meditate and let let it really soak our heart and, and become part of our life and and so you know and put our trust in God for those conflicts and situations and difficulties and even simple things like planning and executing and and going on a mission trip or a retreat um i I think that the practice of prayer um, is just something that's forgotten and neglected but it can be a great way to put our personal theology into practice like i pray my theology. And I think it really helps my heart so I can also then deal with them.
1: All right. So with Danny, now we're going to turn our thoughts towards conflict. Danny's already shared a little bit about what conflict has looked like for him. And, but I think it can be one of the most difficult experiences in ministry. Um, that has been the case for me and it is just very complex. Very challenging. I think probably the number one reason people quit or change jobs, often without really resolving the conflict. And so, would love to just get some of your wisdom from your experience on that. Um, and we're going to kind of wrap into here working with quote hard people. <laughs> maybe that it never comes to, maybe it never comes to the head of like actual face to face conflict. But some people are hard to work with. So um, I I think one of the hard things about it, Danny, can be that you, you maybe are actually in the middle of conflict or working with a hard person and not actually know it and think that maybe it's just your fault or, oh, maybe this is a weird church and not. So to help people identify, maybe, if this is something they're going through, what does it feel like? What is the experience, even the emotional experience, when you're in the middle of conflict of some sort?
2: Yeah. And, you know, for me... Just my personality. I've taken all the personality tests, Myers, briggs Disk, you know, all these. My wife's a psychologist. So for a lot oftentimes for her coursework, she would do sample tests on me. So I've done, and so I I know that I hate conflict. I like peace and harmony. And also my cultural upbringing bringing as a bicultural Korean American, you know, in the Asian some of the Asian cultures, you know, we're, we're more collective, we like harmony and peace. So I dislike conflict. So I can just tell you from a personal level, I know that conflict, I can sense it. um, Because I know it's something that's eating away at me, something that is bothering me i i know something's uh wrong um um again it's it's something that um you know again it can be somebody telling you something about the ministry somebody pointing it out also uh, about about something going on in your ministry but um it, it's i think it's again it's it's you see it when you know it and um, um I do want to point out that I have learned to embrace conflict, that it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's it doesn't make your ministry bad. Um people have differences of opinion. Um I think conflict can lead to innovation, you know, you know, because two people are disagreeing about something and how something's done. Um so um it, it can be Again, a, a positive thing. It doesn't mean that your ministry is bad or you're bad, um, but I think conflict is is um, something that can be positive in, in ministry. But um, usually, um, you know, a lot of times the conflict that I've, I've had to deal with, there's some kind of gossip. I hear it secondhand from somebody. My senior pastor will tell me something. Um, you know in the worst case scenarios you know i'll hear like a group of parents and and a parent will come and be like there are some parents saying this or you know we hear from the church something like this and uh again they are a little bit more of the extremer more extreme cases of conflict um
1: i hear you so you've named just a generalized anxiety you know something kind of being on your mind Um, and I I think maybe people feel like oh I'm just an anxious person or oh this job is giving me anxiety but to be able to get a little more precise and say whoa maybe I'm actually experiencing some conflict or I'm in the middle of this I think can be helpful because conflict is as you said it can be helpful a path towards something towards resolution or maybe even innovation but so many of us never take that step or pursue that because we hate conflict or we're afraid of it or maybe we never even recognize it. Um, and so when you're in that position, and um, I, I think one of the lo- the roles of leaders is to identify conflict and bring it to resolution. You have to know like am I the leader whose job it is to identify and you know address this conflict or not. Yeah, um, which has to do with lots of things. But let's say it's in your under your umbrella, or it has directly to do with you and maybe your ministry. Um, what's maybe some first steps to take as you think about, oh, there's conflict. How can I move this towards resolution or at least bring it out in the open?
2: Yep. And so like I can tell you just some examples with that. Like I have ministry interns, I have three right now. Every year, at the end of the year, we do a SWOT evaluation, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. And these younger interns, as they get seminary educated, they get this robust theology that they learn. The stereotype at one of the local seminaries here in Philadelphia, I won't mention, but is that as you get equipped with this robust theology, you get very prideful and proud of all you know. And uh, so sometimes they'll, be heavy in the critique of ministry. And here am I thinking, hey, I've been doing this for 28 years, you know, but but I never wanna, you know, uh, that's just my pride talking. That's you know, I always that. have this rule that don't get defensive, hear them out. Um, again, conflict with a parent who's critiquing the ministry, um, senior pastor who doesn't understand. Again, conflict can come in different levels. But the most important thing is that when I do sense a difference of a viewpoints or an opinion, I try to really name it with the person or the parties involved and try to discuss it and come up with a solution. I think it's important. Um, and again, I'm a person who doesn't like conflict, who's had to grow to you know, really what I'm talking about. I've had to really grow in my identity with Christ, believe that God's in control of the ministry. It's his ministry, you know, all that personal theology stuff I've talked about and just really be able to name it openly, boldly, say, we're going to talk about this. We're going to come to a resolution. That doesn't mean it gets resolved right there and there, you know, then and there, but we're definitely going to talk about it and work towards a resolution before it festers, before people get bitter, angry, resentful, question my leadership. And I think that's just been one of the more important lessons I've learned about conflict. Cause I, again, I hate conflict. I love peace and harmony and joy. I'm sure everybody does, but it's just not in my, cultural, sociological makeup. It's not who I am and all the personality tests I've taken. But again, I found it so much more helpful, prosperous, joyful in ministry to really name a conflict if I'm sensing it, talk to the parties involved and really work towards a healthy resolution. And that sometimes means I have to humble myself. And you know, just because I'm a leader, I'm a servant leader, I might have to give up and, and just sacrifice too. Um, but again, and I'll tell you, we're gonna talk about hard people, especially with hard people. And I wrote an article called, How to Work with Antagonists. And, okay. and there's a book by Ken Hauck called How to Deal with Antagonists. I think it's the best book, How to Deal with Antagonists, Ken Hauck. Hmm. And um, um, especially with antagonists, like I can give an example of a ministry volunteer who was in charge of our music team. They were, this is 15 years ago, 20 years ago, who was kind of favoring certain students, kind of mean and cold to certain students. Neither the others was having some unhealthy. um, She was a female, but she was having some unhealthy times with some male students and I think I let that go for a little bit too long because she was such a good dedicated leader as far as her time and effort and when I finally had to confront it she was really angry and it caught her out of the blue and and she thought she was doing a good job and I probably was passive aggressive and didn't confront it. And I learned from that, you know, what's that 17 years ago, that when it comes to conflict, naming it, and dealing with it, as quick as possible to come to a resolution is important. Um, in that case, I had to get rid of that volunteer leader. Um, sometimes it's not that extreme. But again, that would be my biggest, biggest thought on conflict.
1: For so many people, we might say that dealing with conflict quickly is a priority. I think probably ten times as many people say that than actually do it <laughs> because it's always hard. Um, I think one one thing that I've learned um, when you're dealing with people that that you trust and that trust you um, is even like literally saying it in the moment when you sense, "Oh, I think we might be having some conflict here." I think maybe we just disagree disagree about this. Let's talk about it. And if there's trust, I think that, um, in my experience, that often leads to a solution that is better than what had been in my head or maybe in that person's head, right? Um, And being able to see that and how God works through that and both people walk away not just happy with a solution that is a good solution but also actually trusting each other more because, hey, we just made it through conflict and like we still like each other you know, um, or at least respect each other for being honest with each other. Um, that's, it, it feels scarier than it actually sometimes is. Um, because like you said, it is normal for Christians to very strongly disagree and have opposite ideas about the way that we should glorify Jesus. (laughs) But that feels very threatening.
2: Yeah. And even like with my new senior pastor couple years into the ministry he was doing some stuff and you know i remember going to talk to him just pointing out you know some of the way he does ministry as a new senior pastor the way we used to do it and even pointing out some things that he did that hurt me and uh i thought it was real beneficial i was scared to death he's my new boss and you know he's gonna fire me or something like that, but. I think you found it very edifying to both of us. And uh just being open, you know, not going to gossip about it, you know. You know, probably when I was young and immature, I'd probably go talk to some of the elders, some of the ruling elders in a PCA church, you know, you know, you know, about it and then go then go, you know, uh you know, I use that kind of Matthew 18 principle, you know, not as someone who sinned, but just more of the principle of if some you know if you have an issue with somebody go and talk to that person and then if you you know if it doesn't resolve then you know maybe I'll go with another person but I kind of use that as a principle of dealing with disagreements or conflicts too
1: an impulse that some of us have when we're in the midst of con- conflict is to talk about it with others and there's healthy and unhealthy ways to do that and i think we can go ahead and block off gossip where the intent is to kind of build ourselves up and maybe get someone else on our side against them. We can block that off and say, we know that that's not godly, even though it can be a temptation. But even beyond gossip, there can be appropriate and inappropriate ways to lean into community and being known by others, and even receiving comfort and wisdom about a situation of conflict So what have you learned about doing that well, Uh, or maybe some ways to not do it well? well.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, And this goes with, I know, Will, we're going to talk about dealing with hard people. Um, Again, in youth ministry, dealing with a difficult parent who's, you know, really spreading bad rumors about the youth ministry or spreading bad rumors about me Um, You know, I think, you know, one of the steps in dealing with that type of more difficult antagonist person is to talk to somebody about it, Um, especially someone on your church staff, if you have a supervisor, um, senior pastor, it can be, um, because you never know when you're dealing with a hard person, especially that situation could get worse that situation that person can be really irrational um it might never come to a resolution that person might get more gossipy so just as a safeguard for your own heart and for the situation at hand um i've always used this idea of um talking to somebody about your conflict as a uh Safeguard for yourself, uh, making sure that your heart's in the right place to ask that person for advice or their thoughts or, you know, maybe I'm, you know, looking at things in a different way, but also to safeguard against, you know, a situation that might get worse or might, you know, explode, you know, and, and, you know, you don't want your church or Senior pastor to be surprised, and so at least you've let someone know about a difficult situation that uh, you've been in. But, but again, just in general, um, I think without being gossipy yourself, to really, you know, again, to get a um, hearing ear to offer you advice and thoughts and keep you in check, you know, maybe. I'm the one that's being prideful or arrogant or needs some rebuking, and so I think it's really important to have that kind of um, check in your life, some accountability in your life that can uh help you in in your conflict help you think it through
1: so as you think about conflict that you've experienced with people, I'd love to hear your thoughts on knowing. The difference between um, more ideological conflict, a difference of ideas, you know, uh, you have strong ideas, you have lots of ideas, you're a person who studies and reads books, you probably have a pretty solid philosophy of ministry. And from what you said already, it's clear that some parents as they come through, have a different, they might not call it a philosophy of ministry, but they're like, well, why do you do it that way? You should do it this way, obviously. Uh, And sometimes we can face the same thing with a senior pastor, uh, one of our staff that works um, alongside or beneath us. And that can feel like when someone critiques something that we do as a ministry, that can feel like a critique at us directly. (laughs) And so we can kind of misappropriate that in a way that is unnecessary and not helpful. And so like, how do we kind of separate those things out in a good way?
2: I mean, I, I, like you said, I think, Will, it's it's really that heart and kind of theoretical mind issue where you're really not taking these critiques and criticisms personally. Again, it goes back to, sorry to say, but your identity in Christ, you're loved, you, you know, God loves you and and, and you know, ministry is not personal, you know, you know, you're, you're loved in Christ. And, 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 and so in that way, at least for me, um, you know, with the young interns who are critiquing and saying all oh, these ideas we need to do, I'm not, I've really learned not to be close to people's critiques. Um, I'm really open to innovation and, and new ideas and, 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 and thoughts, um, you know, that's how like CDs and DVDs were invented because, yeah. you know, I studied innovation at my PhD level and, and uh, you know, those companies that kept on inventing VCRs and I don't know, some people might not know what VCRs are, but but didn't adapt to uh, CDs and DVDs. They're the companies that went out of business, but those who kind of did both, or a company like Kodak who didn't switch the digital cameras but kept on doing film. You know, they went out of business. And so, you know, in the spirit of, you know, just hopefulness in Christ and 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 you know that you know God is the author and perfector of our ministry, that um I try to be open to every critique and idea and thought. Now, that being said, like you said, we have a philosophy of ministry, we have our core values, we have our vision and mission statements, we really have what we believe at our core. So I will also have my identity in Christ and measure everything against those things and be able to assess, tell people, no, that's not an idea that fits our ministry, or again there's been some great ideas that have that have come um, from that like something really simple like you know where our ministry is trying to get more intergenerational more covenantal more family oriented and you know the elementary ministry used to go apple picking with families every fall and you know a parent said why don't we do apple picking with our families too. and I was like, "No teenager is want to go apple picking with their parents." But I thought about it for a while, and you know, and I said, "Hey, why don't we try it?" And it wound up being one of the best things we've done, and you know, promoting family conversations and talks, and something simple like that. If I would have been like, "That's stupid. That that's not going to work." But, you know, I listened, thought about our values, you know, our our mission, you know, core values and vision and, and, you know, it was it was wound up being a good idea. But I think it's important that you are open to, in my case, I try to be just listen to every idea, even with my young interns who I, in my heart, I think they're very young and prideful. And, you know, a lot of them come back years later. I've been at it 28 years and I've had 28 interns. They'll come back 10 years later and be like, Danny, I'm, I'm really sorry. Now I understand how hard ministry was. Now I understand that new ideas are not easy to execute and implement. Now I understand church politics. I'm really sorry. And I'm like, it's okay. (laughs)
1: I love that and that's that's evidence of the grace with which you handled that their ideas and their criticism at the time people don't come back and apologize to people who have shut them down and rubbed their nose in the dirt they don't so that's cool danny thank you so much for your time it's been good
2: thank you you're this is really fun and you're awesome too so you know i'm glad i'm i'm
1: I'm, I'm excited to read your books uh i think this is going to be really helpful to And fun getting to know you a little bit, Danny. Look forward to seeing you again soon.
2: Thanks, Will. Appreciate it.
1: All right, brother. We'll see you. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the PCA Next Gen Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Committee of Discipleship Ministries, which is a committee of the Presbyterian Church in America. If you're feeling lonely in student ministry, we would love to connect with you. So connect with us at www.pcacdm.org.